Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Be willing to go unnoticed in this world because you are noticed in the kingdom of God. And here's the beautiful thing. You know, Jesus never lost his status as God by becoming a nobody. And you will never lose your status as a child of God by becoming a nobody. As a matter of fact, your status as a child of God will be affirmed when you no longer have to be thought of as a somebody. Looking for approval from people around us is something that we are good at, isn't it? We tend to want accolades for what we do. We want to be noticed and appreciated. Pastor Jim reminds us today that God is calling us to a different way of living, however. God asks us to do things for Him, not for the praise of people, but for the sake of doing the deed. Sometimes we will be noticed, but many times we will fly under the radar. God sees, though, and you can be sure that He is pleased. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim with part two of his message entitled, Joyful Humility. Some people translate it this way, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, not grasped by us, but grasped by him. He wasn't trying to steal the glory. Another translator put it this way, do not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. So, um... How many of you have heard the Led Zeppelin song, Stairway to Heaven? So long before Led Zeppelin walked the stairway to heaven, long before the world began, the apostle now takes us up the stairway to heaven to see the eternal Son of God. Many of us have heard of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God revealed in three persons, and Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, lived in perfect relationship with his Father and the Holy Spirit in heaven, worshiped in the glory of heaven. Listen to what Jesus said the night before the cross. He's praying to his Father, John 17, 4 and 5. This is, see, this is one of the things that Jesus is always getting away because he loved that relationship he had with his Father and the Spirit. That's why he calls us to, that, to get away and to enter into that. Listen to what he prays. The night before the cross, he knows he's going. He says, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. He's talking about the glory he had before he became a man. The Apostle Paul explains this to us in a different way. Colossians 1.16, he says, For by Jesus all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So everything we see, the Bible tells us, before Jesus ever set foot on this earth was created by him and for him. This is very, very important, friends, because if we don't see the glory of Jesus in heaven, then his sacrifice on the cross will lack its true meaning. Like the rest of the world, we'll just think that was really an unfortunate thing. Or we'll go, you know, that probably never really happened. It was a different guy. 
kind of look like him. No, not at all. And because Jesus did not use his position as God to his advantage, but to love and to serve, that shows us the character of God. Just a side note, if you desire to be a leader in the kingdom of God, if you desire to be a a leader in your church, husbands, listen and listen well. If you desire to be a leader in your home, understand that your authority has come from God. It's not your authority. It has come from God. And your authority from God is a call to love and to serve others. Leaders in the kingdom of God are servants. They don't lord it over people. They're not wicked tyrants. They serve others. But trying to see the glory of Jesus is to go to another world. To try to see who Jesus was before the world began cannot be done without quieting your soul. Listen, it cannot be done on the ride to work listening to the radio. You have to take time. I have to take time to to get ourselves aside, to spend some time with God in our Bibles, and to read and to pray because only a mind that dwells on Christ will have their hearts enlarged by Christ because it's not natural to who we are as human beings. You see, we have to come to the realization that he left heaven for you. He left heaven for me. Do you see that? Number two, if if we're going to have a joyful humility about us, We've got to see, we've got to understand, number three, sorry, the incarnation of Jesus. The incarnation of Jesus. That is the process of, of Jesus becoming, God becoming a man. Look at, look at verse seven. But he made himself. What does that tell us? It was his choice. It was his choice. He made himself of no reputation, Literally, that means he emptied himself. You say, what does that mean? Well, he tells us right here, taking the form of a bondservant. So remember before verse six, it said he was the form of God. He was the nature of God. He was the exact representation of God. Now he comes and he adds on to his nature as God, the nature of a servant. He didn't change forms. He added humanity to deity. So God added humanity to who he already was. And look at this, and coming in the likeness of men. Do you know what that is? Merry Christmas, that's what that is. He came in the likeness of men. Jesus made a choice not to hold on to the glory of heaven. He accepted the consequences of becoming human. Life, death, pain, sorrow, being betrayed. No matter what you're going through, if you, if you come to the cross of Jesus Christ, I bet you'll find it there. Put one word on what you're going through right now. And usually it's hurt, betrayal, loneliness. You find them all there. In heaven, he was worshiped. Here, marginalized and mocked, 
Heaven, wealthy. Earth, poor. Had to borrow everything from everybody all the time. Didn't have anything. Heaven, nice place. This place, I don't know. You see, if you were advising Jesus and, you, and he says, well, I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking of going to earth. You know, I'm here in heaven. You know, grass is always greener on the other side of the hill. I'm thinking of going to earth. You would be like, no, don't do it. I mean, the best, better than anything we could ever imagine. And he comes here. And he's treated the way he was treated. You see, he, he emptied himself, not of being God, he emptied himself of everything God was entitled to. The famous God, famous in the cosmos, became of no reputation. A carpenter in a podunk town. Looking ahead, the Bible tells us, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, Isaiah 53, 2, he has no form. That means he wasn't handsome. Or comeliness, some people translate that word majesty. So nobody looked at him and said, there he is. When Judas betrayed him, it wasn't like, well, just go there and it'll be obvious who he is. No, Jesus said, I'll have to kiss him. Because what you'll probably never figure out which one it is if you've never seen him before. Isaiah writes, and when we see him, there was no beauty that we should seek to desire him. Looking back, Adam, Hebrews, the New Testament writes this, for we do not have a, a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. He had to go through all of the same stuff we had to do, yet without sin. I think maybe because I'm a guy, right? I just think of just the, all the times they tried to make him the king, tried to make him famous. I mean, you ladies are like, why is it hard for a guy? Do you ever notice we're always going to war? Like, this <laughs> is just the way we are. I'm just thinking that must have been so hard for him to, to just to say no because he knew he had to come and die on the cross without sin. And the amazing thing to me is it was all by choice that the sovereign Lord became the servant to all and the entirety of the time remained the sovereign Lord. Yet the Bible teaches it's the only way for man to have his sins paid for was that God had to become a man and live a perfect life and die in man's place. So Jesus Christ didn't exchange being God for being a man. He added a nature. Humanity added to the divine. So the result is this. Jesus is not half man and half God. Or some people want to knock on your door and give you some other combo that they have work in their way. That's not right either. Jesus Christ was 100% God, 100% man. He was always God and never lost his divinity. Colossians 2.9 says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So God became a man and walked among us on this earth. And what did he do? He showed us God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so friend, have you seen him? 
Have you taken the time to see him? He emptied himself of his rights as a somebody and became a nobody. And did you know that in our world, to have to be a somebody, you have to be a somebody. You can't be a nobody and be a somebody in our world. But in heaven, nobodies are somebodies. And so what's the apostle saying to the church? Look at how he became a nobody. And he says, be willing to be a nobody. Be willing to go unnoticed in this world because you are noticed in the kingdom of God. And here's the beautiful thing. You know, Jesus never lost his status as God by becoming a nobody. And you will never lose your status as a child of God by becoming a nobody. As a matter of fact, your status as a child of God will be affirmed when you no longer have to be thought of as a somebody. So to have joyful humility, we said that we need to see, we need to understand the mind of Jesus, to think like he thinks, his attitude. We need to have the glo- see the glory of Jesus. We have to understand that he was glorified in heaven, but was willing to lay that aside in number three, the incarnation of Jesus, which brings us to number four, the cross of Jesus. Again, if you're here today and you're not a committed follower of Jesus Christ, this you have to see, very important. Verse eight, and kind of repeats himself. I wonder if he just like, I can't even get over this. It's just writing that like, I, I can't, I can't, you know, it's amazing. And being found in appearance as a man. So if you went back to his hometown, you said, well, tell me something about Jesus. They were like, Good kid, you know, carpenter's kid, bought a couple tables from him, you know, good work, fair price, you know. Didn't say to me, hey, you know, make it out to me and you won't have to pay sales tax. Didn't do any of that. <laughs> Honest guy. He was a man. He looked like a man. Nothing, nothing that special about him. So being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Remember, he said, no one takes my life, I lay it down. I have the power to lay it down and to pick it up. He humbled himself, his choice. This is all his choice. And became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So the destiny of Jesus was death. That is one of the consequences of being human, right? Doesn't matter whether you're rich or you're poor, we're all gonna die unless the Lord comes back first, right? Right? You can, you can ignore it. You know, you can try and, you know, do stuff that's going to delay it. That's okay. You know, you can maybe, you know, not be willing to talk about it. Remember we said one of our studies, like people buy life insurance in case they die. It's going to (laughs) happen. But the destiny of Jesus was specifically the death on a cross. The glory of heaven was exchanged for the shame of the cross. Now we have to delve into this a little bit more to get a better understanding of this. I'm sure that many of you are wearing crosses today. Okay, so, so we have them as jewelry. We have them hanging in our church. We may have them hanging in our house. But um, did you know that in the Roman Empire, the cross was obscene? It was just something you didn't talk about. 
It was for the worst of criminals, people who challenged Caesar's authority. That's how Jesus ended up on the cross because the Romans, they crucified him as an insurrectionist because the Jewish religious leaders convinced him, oh, he says he's the king. And anybody who would be the king, right, would be crucified. So all the people who want to be the king would look at and go, I don't want that to happen to me. It was a punishment for slaves. Roman citizens, no, they didn't, they didn't crucify them because it was so cruel and it was so horrific. It, it would, you wouldn't talk about it at dinner. It was considered rude. It'd be like inviting somebody over your house, you know, and they're, and they're, they're cursing and you're like your kids, you're like, you gotta go, <laughs> right? Uncle so-and-so, you know, right? You, don't, you didn't talk about that. To make the point even further, and I don't mean to be insulting by any stretch of the imagination, but I want us to understand how, how we mention the cross kind of casually, and this is not first century thinking. In our generation, although we're not seeing everything today, and there's some really, I think we're becoming desensitized to some of it with YouTube and stuff like that, but for many people, the biggest atrocity was that in the last hundred years is the concentration camps of Nazi Germany and the gas chambers and those horrible, horrible pictures of piles of bodies. Now, if you went over to someone's house and they had a picture next to their couch of that, how offended would you be? If you came into our church and we put up on the PowerPoint pictures of that, how offended would you be? I hope you would be very offended. That's how offensive the cross was to Roman culture. And for him to even say he became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross, would be so offensive to so many people due to the nature of of the cross. That's why when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, he says this, when he talked about the cross as being the only way for people to be saved, he said to the Greeks or the non-Jews, it was foolishness. Foolishness. The Greek people who had many gods, they would say, you gotta be kidding me. Our gods, what do they come to take our women? They come to take our souls. They come to take control of our lives. You're telling me that God came to die on the obscene cross? That is foolishness. That is complete foolishness. He also told us in 1 Corinthians, to the Jews, it was a stumbling block. Couldn't get past it. The religious Jews couldn't get past it that God would come and die on a cross. Why? Because Moses had told them in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 21, 23, for he who is hanged is accursed of God. What does that mean? That he who is hanged is outside, accursed, outside the covenant of God, outside of belonging to God. But that is the point. That humanity is outside the glory of heaven. We're outside of it. We need a way in. We're on the outside. We need a way in. And so our God doesn't come to take from us like the Roman and Greek gods. Our God comes to give his own life. 
they said, how do you get to heaven? What's the way? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to God but through me. The way in is the way of the cross. So God himself, this is the essence of Christianity. God himself found in appearance as a man, an ugly kid from a podunk town who made tables and chairs and probably patios for a living. He became one of us. And he came to this earth. And he comes to a world that has completely turned its back on him. That has completely ignored him. He came to us. He came to a world that has rejected him. We couldn't get to him. So he came to us. And Isaiah 53, hundreds of years before he came, said this is what it's going to be like when he comes. He'll be despised and rejected by men. Yet, the Lord laid on him the sin of us all. He who had experienced the glorious light of heaven experienced the darkness of death so you and I would never have to. And the resurrection is the proof that he is the way. The cross was reserved for the worst of sinners. The cross was reserved for the greatest of shame And it's why Jesus went to the cross to absorb the greatest of all sin, the greatest of all shame. How amazing it is that no matter what you have done, it's been absorbed on the cross. How amazing it is, is that the Bible, please don't think it's a bunch of holy men. This guy, the apostle Paul, was a Christian killer. He dragged people in before the religious leaders. You see, God takes the worst of people and he makes them into his vessels. So the whole world goes, I knew that guy. You should have seen what he used to be like. And there's no explanation but God. See, that's why some of your friends are weirded out by you. It's not because you're so different now than you used to be, although that's part of it, is you're so different now and you're comfortable with it. You can go to a party and you don't have to be drunk to fit in anymore. All the partiers invited Jesus to their parties. The religious leaders wanted to kill him. All the party people were like, hey, come on over, man. We like being around you. There's something different about you. That's what weirds people out. God went to great lengths for your forgiveness of sins. God went to great lengths for your eternal life for you to see him, for you to think about him, and for you to respond to him. Jesus said this, John 6, 37. He said, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Isn't that simple? You say, oh, you don't know what I've done. Jesus says, if you come to me, I won't cast you out. Oh, but I've done such horrible, horrible things. Jesus goes, well, fine, that's okay. You come to me, I'm I'm not going to cast you out. So what do we need to do? We need to come. We need to come to him. 
He went on to say in that same chapter on 640, he said, and this is the will of him, his father, who sent me that everyone, who's that? That's everyone who sees the son and believes in him. That word belief is more similar to our word trust, may have everlasting life and I will raise him, who's that? The one who believes, the one who trusts up on the last day. So today, the Lord Jesus Christ, God become a man, calls you to see and believe for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Well, thanks for joining us today for this edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney, the teaching pastor of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We want to be sure to tell you that today's message from the book of Philippians and many others are available on CD for a suggested donation of any amount. To get your copy of today's message from Pastor Jim, just call us at Changed by Love at 973-659-3380. The only information you need is the date you heard this program. Again, that number is 973-659-3380. Or send us an email. That address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And when you call or email us to place your order, please let us know how God is using Changed by Love in your life. It's always a great blessing to hear how God is using the teaching of His Word in your lives. To learn more about Changed by Love, visit changedbyloveradio.com. There you'll find an archive of past messages and a secure option to donate if you would like to help support this ministry. Again, the web address is changedbyloveradio.com. That's changedbyloveradio.com. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of Philippians. That's next time on Changed by Love.